0: We are in uh, this book of Philippians, which just happens to be absolutely incredible. And uh, it's no accident, I, when, when someone takes a book and they're in week four, but they're still in chapter two, it's not because they're stretching the material. No. It's because there's a lot there that we can, we can talk about and we can preach about. And so what I want to do is I want to dive right into chapter or, uh, verse 5 of chapter 2. I'm going to deviate a little bit from my notes this morning, but um, last week we talked about kingdom citizenship, and the focus of that is that if you're going to model being a kingdom citizen as a citizen on earth, one of the ways you do that is through unity. And uh, just to kind of go backwards... You know, we kind of needed someone who was familiar with citizenship in heaven to come and model citizenship in a very good way so that that could be the example of how we are to conduct ourselves on the earth. And that was Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Jesus was the ambassador of heaven, the, the citizen of heaven, came to earth, and the way in which he walked on the earth modeled and demonstrated to us what kingdom citizenship looks like. And so, uh, here we see in Philippians chapter 2, it starts off uh, talking about unity, Um, but one of the things that I just want to encourage you with is this, is that if you happen to get overwhelmed by the challenges of Scripture, if you look at the deficiency within yourself and get overwhelmed, there's no way that I could do that, Paul redirects the attention of the Philippian church in verse 5. He says, look to Jesus. Yes. Look to Jesus. Because you are not the source of your power. You're not the source of your ability. You're not the source of your capacity. You cannot walk as a kingdom citizen and model it well on the earth unless you fix your eyes on Jesus who is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Right. And so what we're going to do, we're going to start out in the middle of, of Paul redirecting the attention of the, of the people. And he says this in verse uh, 5, Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. That, same at, that attitude uh, word in the Greek is phroneo, and it also means have the same mind. Have the same mind. So this is all about considering, look to, redirection of attention have this same mind which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, this is a beautiful passage of Scripture, by the way, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped. Now, just stop right here. There's a contrast here between the conduct of the enemy and the conduct of God. How many of you know that the enemy was grasping That's right. supremacy and authority in heaven? Yeah. Right. And this is telling you, no, 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 this is how God is. God lays down his authority and his power. He lays down his divinity. Okay, it's not about seizing, it's not about grasping, it's not about self-promotion. If you want to conduct yourself like a kingdom citizen, you have to lay down self-promotion. Here's God modeling that. Jesus and the God in the flesh. Jesus Christ. Who although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Another way you can say that is He laid aside all of His privileges. But He emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man. He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death. On a cross for this reason say for this reason reason. He got promoted That's how the kingdom is. It's upside down It's the opposite. There was an uh, episode of Seinfeld That uh, if you've ever watched Seinfeld, uh, you know, but I I I love Seinfeld I Seinfeld was the most binge-worthy watching uh, Show uh, in my opinion prior to Netflix making binge-watching Popular, But there's this episode where one of the characters, George Costanza, gets his mind in this mind frame where he's like, everything that I've been doing has not been working, so I'm literally going to do the exact opposite of what comes natural to me. This is what that is. The kingdom is upside down. You will not get promoted when you promote yourself. You'll get promoted when God promotes you because you are laying down yourself. Yes, that's it's true. just opposite. It's contradictory to the natural mind frame and mindset that we have. And so this is what he's saying. Therefore, for this reason, because Jesus laid everything down, therefore God now exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus... Every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, let me stop right here. What you just read, many scholars believe, was a hymn that was sung in the early church. A ch- an early hymn in the first church. What would that have sounded like? But I'm just telling you, those lyrics are amazing. And so when Paul is referencing this, it's not something new to the Philippian church. This is a song that they would have known. But, but, but how, why is Paul redirecting them to this? Well, we have to go backwards now to uh, the verses before that. Paul, after telling the Philippian church that they best demonstrate kingdom citizenship in uh, unity... Which he says in verse uh, 1, if there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship in the spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete. This is right right here. This is how you're going to best model you, uh, kingdom citizenship. By being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. If you want to know wh- how we even got to this idea of kingdom citizenship, then check out last week's message. But see, unity is something that is so important. It is the sameness of mind. Um, have, you ever been, uh, have you ever been like-minded with someone? Where you're thinking what they're thinking and they don't even have to say anything. Right. <laughs> that is what Paul is getting at. He's talking about this sameness of mind. That your heart is beating together. One heart, one mind, one attitude it's, it's this oneness, this unity. Now, unity, as, as I hope you know, unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean that everyone has to look the same, act the same. Matter of fact, this is what's interesting. You can tr- visit churches across the country, and some churches, they're more uniform than unified. Right. And how you know? Because everybody dr- dresses exactly the same. Everybody talks exactly the same. Everybody looks exactly the same. And it's kind of weird. Because it's like, where is your individuality? Where is your diversity? Because God made us fearfully and wonderfully. We are unique, but can we be unique and still unified? And so that's what unity is. Unity is not uniformity, it is diversity. It is diversity that comes together with a sameness of heart, sameness of mind, sameness of attitude, sameness of mission, sameness of goal. I pray that we could model kingdom citizenship in redeemers in that way that we would be Unified and we would work to fight for that as Paul said in Ephesians 4 3 maintain every effort To keep the spirit of unity in the bond of peace now so between verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 and 5 and 11 which we just read We see verses 3 and 4. Let's look at verses 3 and 4. These are the next two Ways we model kingdom citizenship well. Verse 3 says this, Do nothing from selfishness. That will hurt. (laughs) Or empty conceit. Empty conceit is pride. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than others. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Now those two scriptures, if you remove them from the rest of the chapter, in my personal opinion, if that is what Paul is commanding me to do, I am going to, as I contemplate my own capacity to carry those things out, I'm going to feel really overwhelmed. Because selfishness is innately human. It's innately human. How do I, why do I say that? Because what did the enemy target in Adam and Eve in paradise? God really isn't th- looking out for your interests. Is that not what he did when he said, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is actually for your benefit and God is a killjoy and he's robbing you of experiencing the fullness of your life if you don't eat from the, the fruit of that tree? He was targeting innately in them Something that was exposed, it's this idea that you can focus on yourself, you can fix, fixate on yourself. Whatever is going to be good for you is what you end up doing. I'm just going to do my thing. And this is what Paul is addressing, is this idea of selfishness, which is innately human. But once again, we're in an upside down kingdom. If we are kingdom citizens, then selfishness has to be worked out of us. Because remember, in Philippians, I think, 3.20, he says, your citizenship is not here anymore. Your citizenship is in heaven. And so let me show you how you model citizenship on on the earth. You do it through unity. And now you do it through not selfishness, but selflessness. That's what verse two, verse three is about. Do nothing from selfishness. What is that? That's being selfless. That's literally what it is. And verse four is almost the definition of selflessness. Do not merely look out, so you know this is, this is what Paul's saying. If you didn't get verse three in my letter, this is what that, that means. This is what selfless is. Do not merely look out for your own interests, but also for the interests of others. It's the see a need, meet a need. But you never meet needs you never see if they're always focused on you. (laughs) How many many needs in the body are unmet because we're walking around just focusing on us? I got my needs. I have too many needs to even consider your needs. But that's the amazing thing because once again, Not only is the church the bride of Christ, but this is where marriages are most healthy. Marriages are most healthy when spouses are not looking out for their own interests, but they are so in love with each other that they are meeting each other's needs so they don't have to fight for their own. And now we are the bride of Christ. So what does that mean? That means if we're going to be a good bride... We're looking out for Jesus's needs. What does Jesus need? Jesus needs souls. (laughs) Jesus needs his church to model themselves well. Jesus needs lost people. Jesus needs to to reach a broken world. So if we're going to meet Jesus's needs, we can't consider our own needs and what we want, and I just don't want to do that because that's not me. Selflessness. And so Jesus, So what Paul does is he says, hey, this is how you get over that. Put your mind on Jesus. It's a frame of reference. It's a reference point to look back at. Now, these guys, we don't know if they actually saw Jesus walk on the, upon the earth, but we do know that this song was written to, to capture the magnificence of Jesus. You know what five verses 5 through 11 is? it is the what would jesus do part of the of the, the whole bible you remember the bracelet yeah. what would jesus do verses 5 through 11 is the embodiment of that it's the laying down of yourself it's the emptying of yourself it's taking all of your privileges that you could rightly leverage in relationships and say it's not going to be about me it's going to be about you it's going to be about the kingdom it's going to be about jesus and so 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 And and by the way, this is not just a human thing, but the Greeks were hedonists. What is a hedonist? They lived their life for seeking their own pleasure. And so he's not undoing just, he's not just targeting a human need, but he's also undoing what was a culturally relevant thing within the Greek person, this idea of hedonism, this if it's, you know, if it's, if it's going to meet my desires, if, if it's going to cost me pleasure, then that's what I'm going to do. And he's like, no, 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 this is not about your interest. This is about the interests of others. This is about the kingdom mind. This is about the kingdom citizenship. You will represent kingdom citizenship well when you are not only in unity, but when you're also selfless. And then what he also identifies in verses three and four is humility, humility, So let's just take a moment and just talk about selflessness. Here's here's a simple way of delineating selflessness from selfishness. Selfishness seeks to first serve oneself. Selflessness seeks to first serve others. It's that simple. What is your knee-jerk response when someone asks for something? Oh, that's an inconvenience to me. Or is it, I'll do that. I love, and by the way, we always want to be around the people that are uh, selfless. (laughs) Especially if you're selfish. (laughs) Because then you don't have to be selfless. I I got a whole group of people that just meet my needs. Life is great. But you know what that shows? That you are the center of your own world. And everybody has to orbit you. Yeah. This is what he's, he's targeting. He's targeting something that needs to be addressed because it's innately human. Who is at the center of your universe? Well, we may not picture it this way, but anytime I come into interaction with a someone, someone else, two universes are colliding. That's it. <laughs> And often, I think we all need to acknowledge the reason why we may not be able to get along with a lot of people is because in the collision, we're wanting them to become a part of our universe instead of considering their universe. That's right. And that's why planets collide. And that's why things get hit. And that's why, that, that's, that's what happens. And so who is orbiting Who? Who is at the center of your universe? Is it you or is it Jesus? I love how John Ma- Maxwell talks about this in a book ironically called How to Win, Win with People. <laughs> Listen to what he says. He says, the entire population of the world, if you don't know, with one minor exception, is composed of others. I don't know if you know that. But 99.999999999 to the millionth degree of the world is composed of other people. <laughs> and what's interesting about Paul, uh, about Paul urging the Philippians uh, church to not be selfish is that uh, their selfishness, once again, was wholly a, not just a human issue, but a cultural issue. Now, I want to show you a picture. Okay. Um, go ahead and put that up at Maddie. Okay, this, this is not um, a picture painted, it's not a high school portrait of Pastor Dwight. <laughs> with a perm. No. Anybody, you had one though, right? Yeah, you had a perm. No. It, it, was not, it, was it was natural? This is when Pastor Dwight was just letting his hair down. <laughs> Does anybody know who this is? If you know, you can just leave today. Like, you, you got the message covered, you're good. No, this is a guy named Copernicus. Anybody know who Copernicus is? What, 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 did Copernicus, what was Copernicus known for? He um, came up with the idea that the earth rotated around the sun, not the sun, but rotating around the earth. Copernicus? Come on, put your heads together. <laughs> who knew Copernicus would ever come up in a sermon? <laughs> he was the one that discovered... The earth is not the center of the universe. We actually orbit the sun. The sun does not orbit orbit us. And do you know that he experienced a lot of persecution? Much to the dismay, dismay of a lot of people. Why? Because people love the idea that the earth is representation of themselves. I want everything around the universe to orbit the earth. Because that means that everything in this universe orbits me and Copernicus was undoing that. No, 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 no. We're not orbit. No one else is orbiting us. Once again, he's targeting even on a scientific level, this innately human thing that we want our, our world to orbit around us. And I love what he said, because in the midst of the persecution, in the midst of people resisting this idea, listen to what he says, because it goes back to verse five, when it says, have the same mind, which is also in Christ Jesus. Listen to what he says in response to that. He said, if a man is to know the truth, he must change his thinking. Despite what we have said, our earth is not the center of the cosmos. The sun does not move around us. We move around the sun. Now, let me just take it a step further. There's another child psychologist. His name is John Piaget. Does anybody know who that is? This is what's interesting. He, uh, he, he uh, developed uh, theories about child development. And listen to his language. He said, every child must experience his or her own Copernican revolution. <laughs> we know that's true. We know that. I want a snack. No, yes.
1: Because I want it.
0: And sadly enough, we do not graduate from that. Here's the irony that is a personal observation. I, if there's anything I disliked about childhood, it was having parents and people tell me what I have to do. And then I get older. Why? Because now I can do whatever I want. I can eat a whole thing of Oreos before dinner without my parent, my mom saying, you're going to ruin your appetite. <laughs> and so we live, isn't this a sick cycle? We go from I don't like everyone telling me what I have to do because this is what I want to do, to, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be an adult because now I can just do whatever I want with all the time that I have. And still, selfishness is there. So I, in some ways, I actually think it's harder to be selfless as an adult than it is as a child because you don't really have the freedoms you have. (laughs) Because if I want to be selfish and I just want to, like, not think about anybody else and the church isn't meeting my needs, I'll just go somewhere else. That person did me wrong, you know, and then the pastor comes and he says, brother, you need to maintain every effort to keep the spirit spirit in the union of bond, bond of peace. You're not making me meet with them. Because I'm autonomous. I am self-governing. And if I don't want to meet, you can't make me. I'm not five years old. That's selfishness. And it's, it's still at the core. And so there's, for the, here's an encouraging word. For the rest of our lives, we will battle selfishness till our death. But nevertheless, this is the ideal of kingdom citizenship. Yeah. Unity and selflessness. Every child must experience his or her own Copernican revolution. We are, there are actually sociologists that call this day and age the age of self. They've literally described our culture as the age of self. Self, we have self actualization, we have self realization, we have self help. We have self-esteem. We have iPhones and iPads and iMacs. And if, if there was anybody that is a cultural icon to describe the state of our culture in this day, it was in 2015 or 2016 when Kanye West, a rapper, literally said this. He tweeted it on, on Twitter. He said, I'm not going to lie to you. I love me so much right now. I love me! I love me some me. <laughs> this is what he tweeted and it wasn't sarcasm. He was patting himself on my back, on his back. I'm incredible. Everyone should want to be my friend. I'm amazing. Age of self. You want to hear a staggering sad statistic? Listen to this. Someone said no, sorry. <laughs> It's not about you. <laughs> 93 million selfies are taken every day on social media. 93 million. Come on. Come on. The average millennial will take 25,700 selfies in their lifetime. Do you want to hear another sad statistic? In 2015, there were more deaths by selfie than shark attacks. How does that happen? I am getting the most glorious selfie you could ever experience. So I'm on the side of a mountain. I'm on the cliff. More deaths by selfie than shark attack. And all this is is the fruit of the age we're living in. And my suggestion is that Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 through 11 is Paul addressing the revolution that Copernicus found out centuries later before it became popular. He He was coming against that intrinsic innate human thing inside of us that says, I want my world to orbit around me. And Paul is saying in this church you have a place but the church cannot orbit around you. Can I let me just let me be totally transparent as a pastor. Please. Do you do you understand there is a reality and a fear that can come into a pastor's heart? That if you meet with me and there's something you want our church to do, that there is this pressure that you will leverage what you do in the church against me if I don't do what you want to do. That's all right. All right. It happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what keeps pastors up in the middle of the night. When they got people that do amazing things in the church and the enemy starts to capitalize on it and target and say if you don't give them this one thing that they want, they're going to remove themselves from all the stuff that is a blessing to the church at large. And the enemy begins to use that and you're fearful that people will leverage their tithe, all their stuff that they do against you if you don't give them what, what they want. Can I tell you, your tithe is not equity for you to demand something for what God has called a church to do. That is witchcraft where you are manipulating your money to get something out of a church. And it's selfish. It's selfish. I can say that as an associate pastor, can I? <laughs> because if Dwight said it, let's target it again. Because if Dwight said it, you would leave. And you'd send them an email. We need to talk. I don't like what you said to me. Why don't you like it? Because it hit you right where it was supposed to. <laughs> if you don't want to be a target, don't be one. Right. Right. Exactly. Second Timothy chapter 3, Paul says this. You should know this, Timothy. That in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and they will leverage their money. Right. But we're not of this world. That's right. Come on, we're not. We are citizens, citizens in heaven. Amen. Selflessness. Second, number three is humility. This is where Paul stabs, another, stabs at another thing within the great mind. In verse 3, it says, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, that's pride, but with humility, say "humility humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. How many of you know that you can't be humble and prideful at the same time? I love, I had heard Pastor Rick say this, and it was the funniest, most ironic joke I've ever heard. He said, I am the most humble person that you will ever meet. Which is the opposite of humility. (laughs) When you're boasting (laughs) about how humble you are, you might be prideful. The King James translation says it this way, let nothing be done out of a desire for vain glory, vain glory. That word, uh, that that phrase there in the Greek is uh, kenodoxia. And listen to this. This is the idea behind this Greek word because this is really what Paul was getting at when he was talking to the Philippians, who were Greek and Roman. He said it, that word means this: a person who cherishes exaggerated ideas of their own importance. Oh, gosh. Paul pulls no punches. (laughs) He's like, hey, if you think you are a bigger deal than you really are, you need to be humble. You need to practice humility. Romans 12, Paul addresses the same thing. He said, for through the grace given to me. Yeah, that's that's Paul setting up. He's like, this is going to hurt, but there's grace. God gave me grace to say this to you. This is really going to hurt you. Well, let me just, I, God gave me grace. That's like his justification. You don't have no right to be offended because God gave me grace to say that you're cocky and you need to humble yourself. <laughs> he says this, he says, for through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of themselves than he ought to think. That's exaggerated ideas. I'll never forget, have you ever <laughs> been in a situation where you thought too high of yourself and then you were humbled? All just me? Okay. (laughs) Did you not want to raise your hand because you were prideful? (laughs) I was working at UPS at the time, and I was an amazing employee. (laughs) I was. That's my modest opinion. (laughs) And isn't that interesting about pride that it can be subtly subtle? That's my modest opinion about myself, I was pretty incredible. Right. Anyways, so I worked there for like four or five years and uh, I got like a lot of awards for like just my performance level and I, I, uh, I just was a really good valuable employee on the, the, the area of the warehouse that I worked in and I would have you know managers praise my performance and all these things and then I graduated from college and I got history. I, I got my history degree from Ohio, the Ohio State University, which is going to spank on the Minnesota University in a couple weeks. Can I get an amen? Amen. Okay. But anyways, so I got my degree and I got a new job, so I put in my two weeks notice. And I, n- I will never forget walking out of there with a really exaggerated idea of my own value. What will they do without me? <laughs> I have saved that area so many times and you know what's really interesting? They never called me. No manager called me and was like, please come back. Jesus will use you and if you get an exaggerated idea of your own importance he will use somebody else he will he just will he's like go ahead go ahead and build an altar of vain glory to exaggerated ideas of your own importance because throughout here's the irony the kingdom of god has been upon the earth for 2000 years And I'm sure there have been thousands of people in the church that got exaggerated ideas of their own importance. What will happen to the church? What will happen in the kingdom if I'm not here to do my thing? And God's like, I'll find somebody else. Just will. It's just the idea that pride doesn't have a place in the kingdom. They never call me back. Humility is attractive. Walk humbly before God. Pride comes before the fall. God opposes the proud, but gives face, uh, grace to the humble. So he says, with humility of mind, regard one, uh, one another as more important for yourselves. Now, what is the Greek, uh, what is the Greek um, relevance of this? Well, this is a really interesting thing, because when I, when I said that Alexander Great conquered the whole known world and spread Greek culture around the world... This is a very interesting, fascinating thing about how the Greeks would treat the conquered people. Number one, they would make them slaves and servants. And number one, and number two, even if they learned the Greek culture that was being spread through him conquering the known world, they were still considered barbarians. But this was the other interesting thing that I think is so... Uh, fascinating, because in the Greek mind, to be someone with humility of mind was not a noble desire. This is actually what they would do. Woven into the fabric of the Greek mind was the common attitude and belief that Greeks were refiners of culture. Greeks introduced democracy to the world, art, architecture. Much of Washington, D.C. is Greek architecture. And uh, much of our historic buildings are modeled after After that, Greeks brought unification to the whole world through conquering, but this is what they would do. When the Greeks would conquer someone, a tribe or a people group, they would not only call them barbarians, but they would call them low and humble-minded ones. And this is why. They would say, you deserve to be conquered because you needed us to refine your culture. Mm -hmm. And so they would call them, you're low-minded, you're you're humble-minded. You're small. You're insignificant. And the reason why we conquered you is because you cannot compete with what we have to offer. And we're actually doing you a favor by enslaving you and conquering you because you need the refinement of our culture and what is able to bring. And this is what Paul is targeting. So when they, say him, with, when they hear him say, with this be in mind, be humble, they're like, Ooh. I don't like that, but we're not of that kingdom. You are, are you Greek before you're Christian, or are you Christian before you're Greek? This is the idea. So we are not of this world. Our citizenship is not in heaven. And why do we do this, and this is where I close, why does Paul address selfishness? Why does Paul address humility? Why does Paul command us to be selfless and humble? And why are we to model our kingdom citizenship with unity, selflessness, and humility? Because that's what Jesus did. And so he's, he's hitting unity in verse 1, selfishness and humility in verse 2 and verse 3, and then he says, now let me, let me tell you, how are you able to be uni- unified, selfless, and humble? Look to Jesus. Yes, that's it. Consider Jesus, because he is the model of what it looks like to be a good kingdom citizen. And he goes in to verse 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied Himself taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Being found in appearance as man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted Him, bestowed on Him the name that is above every name that at that name Every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. What he is saying is, listen, if you focus on your capacity to be unified and selfless and humble and you think that it's something that is a, 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 a part of your personality or you think within yourself you have the capacity as a human to do that, you will fall short. I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus in the same way Isaiah said, you will be in perfect peace when you fix your eyes on him. He's saying, no, 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 no. This is how you become that way. Consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. What would Jesus do? May God give you the grace in the moment when you are wanting to be selfish, when you're wanting to be prideful, and when you're wanting to be divisive for you to turn your mind to Jesus and say, what would Jesus do here? What would Jesus do in this moment? Jesus would be selfless. Jesus would be humble. Jesus would be unified. And so he's redirecting their focus because once again, Hebrews says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. We will become, and I talked about this in April, we will become like what we behold most. Worship is a, by the way, worship is not just a part of a service. Your life is supposed to be a lifestyle of worship. And once again, 5 through 11 is a hymn that they would have sung in the early, early church. And what is it doing? It is, is causing the people in the church to redirect their attention on Jesus. That's what worship is about. Worship is not about uh, God orbiting you. It's about you orbiting Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. And so as they would worship, their attention would be redirected. And I'm telling you, if you've ever experienced that, where you've been in worship and you've had an attitude and a mindset, and it gets undone by the presence of God that comes as you lift up praise and worship to God. This is what I'm saying. No, 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 no. You're not going to be able to be selfless. You're not going to be able to be humble. You're not going to be able to be unified outside of Jesus. Therefore, fix your attention on him. Because there's something that comes as you focus on him. By the way, let's, this is the simple idea about that. When you're prideful, when you're selfish, you are not orbiting him. You're orbiting yourself. And so the only way that you stop orbiting your own needs is by choosing to orbit someone else. Orbiting Jesus. So why, why, do we, why are we even supposed to? do these things. Why are we supposed to be unified, humble, and selfless? Here's the next part. Verse 15 of chapter 2. So that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. What dims your light? Selfishness, Pride in division. That's how you won't shine in the world. That's how you won't shine. Let's look back to Jesus, John chapter 1, verse 4. In him, this is Jesus, was life. And the life was what? The light of men. How many of you agree that Jesus was the light of the world? If you're in church, I hope that's why you're here. If you don't believe he's the light of the world, what are you doing here? He's the light of the world. And he goes from being the light of the world, now telling his followers to be the light. Be a light like I was. And we see that in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house therefore let your light shine before men in such a way what is the way in unity in selflessness and in humility that's how you shine your light that's how you be, be, appear as lights in the world he says in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven when do we shine brightest in the world Around us, in what way does our light shine best? We shine best when we model the kingdom citizenship qualities of unity, selflessness, selflessness, and humility as citizens of a different kingdom. That is how, and that is why, our kingdom citizenship matters. When we model unity, selflessness, and humility, not just in here, but out there. Because that is innately different from the age of self-culture that we live in. So what that means is that, like, you know, you actually shine when you don't cut someone off in traffic. You don't, you actually shine when you're gracious and patient with an employee that's struggling at the counter. You, you actually shine when you stop and you pray for the person on the, on the street. Right. I told you guys three, four weeks ago about Leo when I crossed the street to right. pray for him. I saw him again and I said, how are you doing, Leo? And he said, thank you so much for praying for me. Mm, come on. He remembered. Because that's not common. Right. And then he said, how is your family? Mm. And we sat and we talked for like five, six, seven minutes. Do you realize that Proverbs says a gift way opens the way for the giver and ushers them into the presence of the great? Right. What that speaks about is the gift of Jesus on the inside of you, stepping out of your comfort zone, initiating people with the love of Jesus and modeling kingdom citizenship, and it opens the way Come on. Right. for them to be open to you. So now he's asking me about my family? That wasn't my desire. Right. But that's what happened because a bridge was built into his world that now he has relationship because I felt a love that was not normal why would this white man cross the road see my need and actually want to pray for me light this is the essence of Philippians 2 kingdom citizenship And then Paul says, at the end, he ends with, by the way, I'm going to send some lights to you, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And these are people that are selfless just like me. Because remember, later in other or Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. He's saying, I'm trying my best to model kingdom citizenship, and I'm sending two people that have seen it modeled, and they will be exactly like me in your presence. So that you have a reference point to once again consider Jesus you stand with me? The world, with one minor exception, is composed of others. <laughs> and Copernicus only came to the conclusion that the sun did not orbit us after Paul came to that conclusion in Philippians 2. That we are to orbit others we are to orbit Jesus as the center of our universe and what that means is that there are people in the midst of our orbit that we can meet needs and we can be selfless and we can demonstrate humility to and we can do everything in our effort to maintain the spirit of unity and the bond of peace because that is going to be appearing as lights in the world I'm just telling you so right now the ability for ethnicities and cultural groups to stay bound together yes. is going to be so bright, bright. because culture wants a war. Mm-hmm. So if this spoke to where you are as far as just being challenged by the word of God to be selfless and humble, uh, will you just join me? Just lift your hands wherever you are. Jesus, I pray... Not that we would just be selfless and humble, but Lord, I pray that our attention would be shifted to You. Hmm. As Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Father, I thank You, Lord, that You live within us. And so in the moments where it's humility or pride, selflessness or selfishness, division or unity, I pray that we would consider you in us what would you do in this moment and father as we shift our attention off of ourselves onto you god i pray that we would begin to shine we would begin to appear as lights in this world and father we would model our kingdom citizenship so well so that as you said in matthew 5 so that they may see and glorify our father in heaven because of our good works We thank you for the grace to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we'll be back for Philippians 3. In Philippians 4, you'll have to come up with your own message. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week.